0: Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this afternoon we pay attention to the sixth petition and then the ending of the Lord's Prayer. In congregation we need to remember, it's your Saviour, the one who came to deliver you from your sins, it's your Saviour in his love and care who taught you to pray. He came to this world to deliver us from sin and damnation and to preserve us in our redemption. It's our Saviour who has taught us to pray this sixth petition. And so we pay attention this afternoon to this theme, the Saviour taught us the sixth petition for our encouragement in the fearful spiritual struggle. We're going to see three things. First of all, the necessity of this sixth petition. And then the content of the sixth petition. And finally, the confidence for praying the sixth petition. So the Saviour taught us the sixth petition for our encouragement in the fearful spiritual struggle. We'll see first of all the necessity, and then the content, and finally the confidence for praying this sixth petition. So first we pay attention to the necessity of this sixth petition. Why is it important to pray? In congregation, you ask for what you need. If you don't think you need something, you're not going to ask for it. Perhaps you're travelling overseas for the first time. And someone who's done it many times before says, if you need anything, just ask. But you didn't think you needed anything, so you didn't ask. And then maybe later on you regret that. It's more serious, and that can lead to some inconvenience, but it's more serious in times of danger. Perhaps you live in an area near a river, and there's been some heavy rain in the, the hills, mountains, and that river is threatening to flood. And you get a phone call from emergency services, do you need any help? And you think you should be okay, and so you say, no, we'll be fine. You didn't think you needed help? And then when the river floods, then you realise that you were not prepared. But at the time, you didn't think you needed help, so you didn't ask. And that can be dangerous. In that context, think about this petition. It's a plea for protection. It's a plea for rescue. Let us ask ourselves: Do we need that? Do we ask this petition often because we're convinced that we need it? The catechism shows us how much we need to to pray this petition. It paints a picture of the danger that we are in. Lots of danger. It speaks about our weakness. It speaks about the, the three sworn enemies that are attacking us. That's the necessity of this petition. We are weak, we're in danger and we need to ask for help. The danger is Described, and we need congregation to put that danger in the broadest possible context. All the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the first chapters, you think of Genesis chapter 3, where the Lord put put enmity between the devil and the woman, between the seed of the devil and the seed of the woman. And since then, the devil has been trying to bring back to himself those whom God has claimed. And God rescued Adam and Eve. He said, no, you're not going to go with the devil. He took them back to himself. And the devil's been working hard to take back to himself those whom God has claimed. And so we get that struggle of the devil against the people of God, against the church, attacking the church, trying so hard to bring to nothing the people of God, to take them back to his own side. You think of the way the Apostle Paul describes this in Ephesians chapter 6. He speaks about the attack that the Ephesian believers are facing and he speaks about the fiery darts of the evil one. Those darts covered with fire that are intended to set fire amongst the ranks of the people that are being attacked. That's what the devil is trying to do. He's got fiery darts ultimately to bring you to sin and the destruction of hell. we are weak. How we start this, this answer and this, in our confession, in ourselves we are so weak. We cannot stand even for a moment. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 15 verse 5, he said, without me you can do nothing. We are totally dependent on Jesus Christ to do good. We so easily think, congregation, that we have strength in ourselves. It's so easy to to be proud in that way. We are completely dependent on Jesus Christ to do good. And even even with the Holy Spirit working in us, making our spirit willing, we still have the weakness of the flesh to contend with. Just think of the disciple Peter. He was a believer. He loved his Saviour. And he just said to his Savior that he would not deny him. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus told them to watch and pray so that they may not enter into temptation. And do you know what happened? They fell asleep. The disciples were tired, so they didn't pray. And Jesus came. He said, yes, the spirit is willing. Peter Peter wanted to do the right thing. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And when he speaks about flesh there, we need to think of human nature considered particularly from the aspect of frailty and needs. Peter was tired, so he didn't pray. And later on, when he was confronted in in the house of the high priest, when he was confronted and then he was scared, he, he feared that he would be put on the spot and accused as a, as a follower of Jesus and maybe be treated the same way Jesus was. There was a fear of danger that made him say, I don't know this man. Weakness, of the flesh. We are weak. And we're easy prey for those who would make us sin. And then on the other hand, as we confess in this Lord's Day, there is the strength and the persistence of our enemies. It speaks about the devil. And he's stronger than us. Think of what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, we don't struggle against flesh and blood. In other words, it's not man for man. It's not humans fighting against humans. But we, he says, struggle against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, we're fighting superhuman enemies. Our enemy is very strong. He's stronger than us. And you just read through the scriptures to see and you learn from the ways of the devil how he attacks. Look at how he attacked Job. Righteous Job, the man whom God drew attention to. And then Job suffered such calamity. The devil orchestrated all kinds of calamities in the life of Job to bring him to that point where he would curse God. How he can attack. Think of how fiercely the devil attacked the Lord Jesus. He came to him when he was hungry, when he'd been fasting for all those days. Get him at a low point. Tempt him to make bread, to use his divine power to serve himself. Paul speaks about the wiles of the devil, the tricks of the devil. He's tricky, he's deceptive. He will attack at our weak points. He knows our weakness. He knows how to attack there. And he can even come with the word of God in hand when he tempts us to do evil. And again, think of the temptations of Jesus. When he told the Lord Jesus, when the Lord Jesus was still hungry, he says, throw yourself down from the temple and God will will look after you. It's even promised in the scriptures. He'll give his angels charge over you and their hands, they will bear you up. He came with the Bible in hand to to tempt Jesus. He's very, very sly, deceptive. He doesn't fight fair. And so, congregation, we, we are attacked. And we can think of some examples. Maybe we go through afflictions. And then we feel the temptation, the pull, like it was for Job, tempting us to deny God. Or to or to react in sin to our difficulties. You know it's easier to be nice when everything's going well, but when you're going through a difficult period, and then to react in anger, to lose your temper, how those temptations can come. There's the temptations when when things are going along smoothly. Everything's working out in our family life and in our work life and so on. The temptation, that, that whispering for pride. attacked by doubts. We might have a nice external look at how others see us, but inside we're struggling with doubts. How do I know I'm really a child of God? How do I know that God loves me? How do I know that my sins have been forgiven? However he brings them, our enemy is very powerful. And he uses and works through the world the other part of those three enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh. The Lord Jesus speaks about Satan as the ruler of this world. In John 12 verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. The unbelieving world under the dominion of the evil one. In hostility to God and to Christ, And his people, think of how the Lord Jesus described that in John 15, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. The devil's busy also using the world, the unbelieving world, to to attract God's people away from God. Think of how powerful the media is and how many lies There are in the media. And how those lies buffet us and attack us, tempting us to change in our thinking. You think of the attractions of entertainment, when there's places to go or sites to visit on the internet that really, really pull at our evil desires. Maybe there's sexual desires. Maybe there's the desires, that idolatry of self, of approval. Spiritual forces attacking us. The teachings that come our way. University. Through relativism. There is no truth. Everything is relative. Or well, the teaching that, or the idea that it's arrogant to think that you know the truth, to claim that you know what is absolutely true and certain. You're considered arrogant. You can feel that, those attacks. There's also attacks that come from the false church. John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus said, speaks about the world hating and attacking the disciples and first of all the Lord is speaking about the unbelieving Jews, the, the people of God who were not following in the ways of the Lord and who he'd been preaching to and who were persecuting him. can also be attacks from those who claim the name of God and yet refuse to serve him in faithfulness and obedience. How the false church is used to tempt the believers through, through lies and also half-truths, a bit of scripture mixed in with a bit of human wisdom. How those attacks come. The attacks we experience also through the hostility of the world, tempting us to think differently. Think of how strong the push is becoming for these gender-fluid ideas. And that people who think differently attacked in so many ways. You feel that hostility against the Bible. We see the strength, the persistence of our enemies, and then our own flesh, it wants it. It likes what is on offer. So often we feel the pull of the temptations because of our flesh has that attraction to sin. We're not yet perfected. Or maybe our flesh finds that the temptations, the things we're being tempted, suits us. We find that getting angry, losing our temper, is a very powerful way for us to get our way. Sometimes we find that we're attracted to the the false teachings that come our way. Things are more palatable. We don't feel so much like a stick in the mud. And we don't like hostility. And that's another way in which we experience the, the weakness, the attacks also of the flesh. That we we fear. We're scared. And then we're tempted to sin because we don't want to stand out. In congregation, we shouldn't expect this struggle to get easier. We read in the New Testament about the devil going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Scripture also speaks clearly about the Antichrist. Think also of what Apostle Paul talked about in 2 Thessalonians 2. He speaks there about the man of lawlessness. And he says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Unrighteous deception. Coming of the man of lawlessness with, with lying wonders, with deception. Don't think it's going to get easier in this battle that we are in, this battle in which the devil and the world are trying to take us away from God and in faithfulness to His service. We, congregation, are in danger. The worst danger is that we don't see it anymore. That we go to sleep in our sin. Think of the warning that the Apostle Paul gave in 1 Thessalonians 5, or that admonition. He says in verse 6, Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And by here, here, by sleep he means to live as if there is no judgment day. To sleep in that way, to live in spiritual and moral laxity, do kind of what you like. Forget the fact that there's a judgment day coming. That's, that's sleeping, living as if there is no judgment day. It doesn't matter how you live, it's not going to count against you. The worst danger is that we don't see the danger that we are in. And those who Don't see the danger will not pray this petition, but those who see the danger, those who are convinced of the power of their enemy and their own weakness, they will cry out, they will pray this petition. Take Christ's word for it. He's your savior, beloved. He came to earth to deliver you. And he says, when you pray, say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. brings us to consider in the second place the content of the sixth petition lead us not into temptation God does not tempt us to do evil God does not want us to do evil as we read in James 1 verse 13 Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. In other words, God is not attracted to evil. Nor does he himself tempt anyone. But God can lead us into temptation. And that means, congregation, God can let us face temptation in our own strength. The Lord Jesus told Peter and the other two disciples to watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. To pray that you would be protected, that you will be kept strong. And you know what happened? They didn't pray. They thought, and Peter had been very convinced about this, they thought that they would be strong, that they wouldn't give up if they were asked to stand up for Jesus, they would. He would even sacrifice his life if that's what it took, he told Jesus. He thought he would be strong. He didn't pray that he may not enter into temptation and so he was left to face temptation in his own strength. He didn't ask for help from God. And what happened? He fell. He fell horribly. He denied the Lord Jesus even by swearing an oath. That he didn't know the man now why might god do this why might god let someone face temptation in their own strength now draw your attention to what we confess in the canons of dort where we summarize the teachings of scripture in this way chapter 5 verse 4 i'll read the the whole article with you under the perseverance of the saints the fact that the lord will preserve His chosen ones to the end, it says, saints may fall into serious sins, article 4. Although the power of God, whereby he confirms and preserves true believers in grace, is so great that it cannot be conquered by the flesh, yet the converted are not always so led and moved by God that they cannot in certain particular actions turn aside through their own fault from the guidance of grace and be seduced by and yield to the lusts of the flesh. They must therefore constantly watch and pray that they may not be led into temptation. When they do not watch and pray, they not only can be drawn away by the flesh, the world and Satan into serious and atrocious sins, but with the righteous permission of God are sometimes actually drawn away. The lamentable fall of David, Peter and other saints described in Holy Scripture demonstrates this. Notice that it says the righteous permission of God. In his righteous judgment, God allows this to happen. So that people understand, by trusting in themselves, in their own strength, they're going to stumble and fall. Scripture says, let him who thinks he stand, take heed, lest he fall. And sometimes God will allow us to be led into temptation, in other words, to, to face temptation in our own strength, Not because he wants us to sin, but to teach us our vulnerability so that we learn to hate sin more, so that we learn to pray, lead us not into temptation, so that we take heed lest we fall. That's why we spoke about danger in the first point. We need to see the danger for what it is, congregation, the danger we are in, the strength of our enemies, our own weakness, and so pray. Those who do not watch and pray are in extra danger. Those who think that they don't need help, those who think that they'll be all right by themselves, they are in danger. They won't be praying. What you are saying when you pray this petition, you are confessing to God, Lord, we are weak. Our enemies are strong. Please, Father, please hold on to me. Don't let me go. Deliver us from the evil one. Show us the way of escape as the devil, the world, and our own flesh attack us. Deliver us. Free us. Help us to see how to overcome. And you understand, congregation, that praying this petition will go together with living a watchful life. You don't pray this petition, lead us not into temptation, and then see how close you can get to sin without getting burnt. You don't flirt with sin, and then say, lead us not into temptation, watch. It also includes not just praying, but also includes being on guard. Staying away from certain places. And it's, we need to see the importance of watching and praying as time goes on. We have our daily sins of weakness when we give in to temptation. Which is why we must also be constantly asking for forgiveness. Daily we stumble in so many ways, a thought pops up in our mind and we are ashamed. We say something before we think about it and we are ashamed, we do something that gives us grief. But also there's those serious, from time to time, serious and atrocious sins. Not just a sin of weakness against which we are struggling, we stumble, we get up and keep fighting. Sometimes there is more. There is an element of giving over to sin. Doing the wrong thing. Knowing that it's wrong. But persisting anyway. Think of David. The adultery with Bathsheba. Of course he knew that was wrong. But he did it anyway. You think of Peter. He knew. And yet he... He denied his Saviour. And particularly with David, he he held on to that sin for such a long time. And then God is offended. And when his people remain in their sin, refuse to break with it. Apostle Paul warns us in Ephesians chapter 4 about grieving the Holy Spirit. And that means the Holy Spirit, when you grieve the Holy Spirit by continuing in sin and refusing for a period to break with it, and you grieve the Holy Spirit and then he will work against you. He won't give you that peace and assurance that the Holy Spirit gives. And then you know yourself under God's heavy hand. Think of how it went for David when he had sinned. And he speaks about that also in Psalm 32. When I didn't confess my sin, then my bones wasted away. You know there's something wrong between you and God. and You just look the other way. You refuse to deal with it. And that's why we cry out to God in this In this petition, lead us not into temptation. Keep us from stumbling and falling in little ways. Keep us from stumbling and falling in those big ways where we wallow in sin and stay in sin. Hold on to us. How important it is to watch and pray. Also as the end draws near. Peter did not watch and pray. And he fell into sin. And then I draw your attention to what the Lord Jesus said about living in the end times. Mark chapter 13, verse 32. And the Lord Jesus is talking about that day. He said, of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch And pray for you do not know when the time is. And then he ends in that a few verses later. Watch therefore you do not know when the master of the house is coming lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you I say to all. Watch. As the the end draws near, as history presses towards the end when Christ returns, how much more? We need to watch and pray. It's devastating. It will be devastating to be found sleeping. Not physically sleeping, but spiritually sleeping. When the Lord Jesus returns. Think of what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. For when they say, verse 3, Peace and safety. Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labour pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not Escape. It will be devastating to be sleeping when he returns. And think of what the Lord Jesus said in Luke chapter 18. He gave that parable about the persistent widow. And then he ended with such a haunting question. He said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The question to really awaken God's people to keep them watching and praying. Now what do you do with this? Maybe you're starting to ask the question in your mind, does this mean that my salvation is in doubt? I take comfort from the fact that God has promised to preserve me to the end. Perseverance of the Saints, chapter 5 of the Canons of Dort. I take comfort from the fact that God has promised to preserve me to the end. Can I not have that assurance anymore? when we hear that warning about being found sleeping when the Lord Jesus returned and the eternally devastating consequences. No congregation does not mean that your salvation is in doubt. God will not permit his elect to be lost. Those whom he has chosen, those in whom he has worked faith, he will preserve them to the end. But the elect, they also believe God and they take Him at His word. They listen, they believe when He says, pray, pray this petition. The believers will be praying this petition and so congregation, trust. Trust that God will preserve you as He has promised. And those who trust that, those who believe that, they will pray this sixth petition. You show That you believe that God will preserve you. How? You show your faith by praying also this petition. And though in his righteous judgment, God might sometimes let you face temptation in your own strength with the result that you fall because you've been getting lazy and you're not praying and watching as you ought. And then the Lord lets you experience the consequences of that. Though the Lord might let that happen sometimes, He will not completely abandon you, but bring you back to repentance. You can trust that. You can believe that that He will hold on to you like He did with David. Even though David strayed for almost a year. And Peter. The Lord Jesus said, None of those whom the Father had given Him would be lost. But those who don't care, those who think sin is a joke to be laughed at, to be boasted about, not to be fled from, those who refuse to walk in the ways of the elect, they have good reason to question whether they are elect. For those who believe, they can trust that they will be preserved till the end and they will pray and keep praying for help in this spiritual struggle. And that brings us to the last point in which we consider The confidence for praying the sixth petition. So, why, congregation, can you be confident to pray the sixth petition, to ask for help from God, and to trust that He will give the help, that He will show the way of escape, that He will preserve you in the face of temptation? Because God is faithful, you can have confidence. Think again of what we read in 1 Thessalonians 5. The Apostle Paul writes to the believers, he says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been appointed to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. And later on in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, God who calls you is faithful, who will always do it, and that it there is the things he talked about in the previous verse. The God of peace himself will sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, the God who calls you is faithful, who also will do it, who will preserve you. Therefore pray with confidence, trusting the faithfulness of your God. Pray with confidence because Jesus Christ is your Saviour. He is your mighty Saviour. We are weak, our enemies are strong, but our Lord Jesus Christ is stronger. None of those given to him by the Father will be lost, he said. That's your mighty Saviour speaking, he who went to the cross to lay down his life for you. And he said before he left the earth, I am with you always to comfort his church. And He is with us in His Spirit. And He is in heaven interceding for you. Praying to the Father for you. Pray with confidence. Because Jesus Christ is your Savior. Trust that you will be delivered. Trust that He will ask the Father for what you need to overcome temptation. He said He would be with you always. Pray with confidence also because of the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the one who makes us believe. It's only through the work of the Spirit in our hearts that we believe. The Spirit is the one who makes us believe and also makes us believe the importance of praying this sixth petition. And His presence in your life as He works faith in you, as He works obedience in you, His presence in your life is like a seal, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. A seal of the inheritance that is coming to you. His presence in you today is a seal that one day you will serve God in perfection on the new earth. Pray with confidence because of the sealing work of the Spirit. You belong to God and the Spirit in your life is a seal of that. And so you can also end your prayer with confidence. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Trust that God is powerful and doesn't the scriptures from beginning to end reveal God's power? Trust that God is powerful and able to fulfill his plan in your life as he gathers together a church, as he gives you your place, as he equips you to serve him. His is the kingdom. Trust that God rules. Also over those powers of darkness that attack. Sometimes we can feel so weak and our enemies can seem so strong. But God is stronger. His is the kingdom. He rules. And his is the glory. Trust that God will bring glory to himself. So that all who trust in him will not be put to shame. But that God will give them the victory to his glory. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And then also, end your prayer with words of confidence. Amen. God will certainly hear this prayer. We can be assured of that when we ask as we have been commanded by our Savior, when we consider the danger, and when we cry out and say, Lord, rescue us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. God will hear when we ask as we've been taught by our Savior. Therefore, congregation, pray with confidence. Pray because your God is mighty. He will hold on to you. He will give you the victory. Amen.